It's Friday, September 7th, and from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson. Congress has just three weeks to reauthorize the Land and Water Conservation Fund, or allow it to expire for good. That would have a devastating impact on conservation and public green spaces in Pennsylvania, to say nothing of the local economies that depend on outdoor recreation. Considering that LWCF over its 50 years has invested more than $309 million in Pennsylvania alone, without LWCF and without that funding, there's a lot of projects that, that just won't happen. With broad bipartisan support and a proven track record over decades, this should be an easy one. So far, though, no vote has been scheduled. If they let something that's bipartisan, widely supported, it has 230 co-sponsors in the House, so more than enough to pass. They let that expire. I think that's a bad look for Congress, especially in an election year. As the clock ticks down this week, we're talking about the rich history and the precarious future of the Federal Land and Water Conservation Fund. That's coming up. But first, let's flag a few upcoming dates on the PEC events calendar. The Bicycle Coalition of Greater Philadelphia and the Tocony Tacony Frankfurt Watershed Partnership invite you to explore the Tacony Creek Trail on Sunday, September 16th. You can learn about the ongoing development of the trail and check out the new trail connection underneath Roosevelt Boulevard. The route will cover between 6 and 14 miles out and back. Depending on the group, you can find more information via the Bicycle Coalition website or the link at pecpa.org. The Laurel Highlands Conservation Landscape presents Ghost Towns to Boom Towns, creating healthy economies and communities through trails on September 18th in Ebensburg, Cambria County. It's the Laurel Highlands Trail Summit, a chance to learn about town to trail connections, maintenance endowments, legal issues, business development, and more. Afternoon workshops include a walking tour of Ebensburg or a bike tour of the Ghost Town Trail. Thursday, September 20th, join the Center for Methane Emission Solutions along with PEC and Environmental Defense Fund for a special panel discussion on the technologies and solutions helping to ensure responsible oil and gas development in Pennsylvania. PEC's policy chief, John Walliser, is part of the panel. The event also features interactive technology demonstrations and a virtual reality experience. Come for the panel, stay for the VR. Saturday, September 22nd, you're invited to help celebrate 10 years of saving special places in southwestern Pennsylvania. It's the Westmoreland Land Trust Wide Open Spaces Party to be held in the Westmoreland Conservation District's Donahoe Center campus September 22nd. You can enjoy refreshments, exhibits, live music, and an auction. And by the way, it's my honor to serve as MC for the festivities marking Westmoreland Land Trust's 10-year anniversary. Again, you can find details and registration links for all of these events and others on the PEC events calendar at PECPA.org. In terms of reach and impact, the Land and Water Conservation Fund is one of America's most successful federal programs. Funded by fees collected on offshore drilling, since 1952, the fund has poured billions into communities in every state, supporting conservation and historic preservation projects, all without costing taxpayers a single dollar. And you can see the results virtually anywhere you care to look. Rare is the public park or green space that hasn't benefited in some way from LWCF funding. Even more pervasive, its secondary economic impact through businesses that depend on tourism and outdoor recreation. And yet, despite this extraordinary success, the Land and Water Conservation Fund, unfortunately, isn't all that well known to the public. Even people who use LWCF-funded assets every day might never have heard of it. And that is a problem. 
Why? Well, the fund is due up for congressional reauthorization at the end of this month, and unless lawmakers hear in significant numbers from constituents who value conservation, the LWCF could go away for good. Now, to get a better idea of what that might mean for Pennsylvania, we're joined now by Jessica Wall of the Outdoor Industry Association. It's a trade organization representing outfitters, equipment makers, and other companies that thrive when public lands are well cared for. OIA are the experts when it comes to quantifying the relationship between conservation policy and economic prosperity. Jessica, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I want to zero in on Pennsylvania in a minute, but first, can you just kind of give me the big picture? What is the overall economic footprint of outdoor recreation in America, and how much of that activity can we reasonably attribute to federal support through programs like the Land and Water Conservation Fund? Well, the outdoor recreation economy is an $887 billion industry. Uh, We employ 7.6 million Americans and contribute about $125 billion to local, state, and federal taxes. So this is huge. Uh, It means consumers spend more on recreation than on motor vehicles and pharmaceuticals. It means that more people are employed by outdoor recreation than construction and finance. So we are, you know, a large part of the economy by our own study um, and, and other industry studies. But even more importantly, maybe, is now that the federal government is studying outdoor recreation as part of the GDP, they have found that we're 2% of the GDP and growing faster than the economy as a whole. So when you're looking at sectors um, that are going to continue to drive, you know, the economic health of, of the United States, outdoor recreation is, is very far up on that list for both jobs, um, wages, and uh, a growing sector of the economy. Okay, so looking at Pennsylvania then specifically, and I know you guys have studied this to some extent, well, what do we know about the role of tourism and outdoor recreation in our, our economy here? So we know that the Pennsylvania outdoor recreation economy is a healthy $29.1 billion. Um, This means consumers are spending almost $30 billion annually on outdoor recreation. It employs 251,000 Pennsylvanians, um, $8.6 billion in wages and salaries, and $1.9 billion in state and local tax revenue. So almost $2 billion in tax revenue going uh, to Pennsylvania from outdoor recreation alone. I think one of the most important stats, too, is on participation. 57% of Pennsylvania residents participate in outdoor recreation each year. So that's more than half of Pennsylvanians are outside um, hunting, fishing, biking, hiking, ATVing. And in, uh, in Pennsylvania, there's more outdoor recreation jobs um, than the natural gas industry, more than three times as many jobs to be exact. And Pennsylvania residents are more likely to hunt and motorcycle than the average American. So those are two of the big um, outdoor recreation economy activities, along with many others. So Pennsylvanians are pretty outdoorsy people generally, but where, where do we rank nationally in the, you know, the national context in terms of the size and the composition of our outdoor industry? Can you shed any light on, on that? You know, for a smaller uh, state and population-wise, when you're looking at, you know, states like California and New York, um, it, it ranks pretty, pretty well. Anything over, you know, 53, 54 percent is pretty high. Obviously, there's some western states that are up there in, you know, the 70s or 80s. But for an eastern state, that's a pretty high recreation economy number, um, given them, you know, the amount of people and being from Pennsylvania um, for a very short time. But then western New York, you know, there's not that many days of the year that you want to be outside recreating right. sometimes. So, so those are really good numbers. <laughs> 
So any way you care to measure it, clearly a lot on the line. So let's talk about the stakes here with LWCF. If it's not reauthorized within, and I really want to stress here, time is of the essence. Within the next few weeks, this has to be up for a vote. And if not, the fund goes away. Where would Pennsylvanians start to notice the loss of that funding? What happens if the reauthorization doesn't go through on time? Well, considering that LWCF over its 50 years has invested more than $309 million in Pennsylvania alone, um, this includes open spaces, historic sites, battlefields, and of course, recreation access, you're going to see um, that funneling of money, you know, completely end. Um, there's going to be no certainty uh, for the economies that have sprung around green spaces, parks, battlefields, um, that they'll continue to get supported by this program. And LGBTF is a really unique program because it's one of the only programs that um, uses tools to maintain access and infrastructure. And so without LGBTF and without that funding, there's a lot of projects that, that just won't happen. Um, we like to talk about our industry uh, as being similar to many other industries that need certainty, right? Builders need certainty that they're going to be able to build in certain places. So there's zoning. Um, the oil and gas industry needs certainty that they can um, extract resources to certain places. So they have leasing. What we need certainty on is that, you know, things like LWCF will be around to continue to protect these assets that our recreation economy and, you know, a lot of Pennsylvanians expect to be there uh, for the health and well-being, you know, of their families or local businesses. You know, I, I think I heard you use the word funneling a moment ago to, to talk about what's, where some of this money could end up. Uh, and, and that's actually quite apropos because this is not just uh, about reauthorization. That's the, the immediate issue, obviously. But uh, in addition to that, Congress has a bad habit, I think we've seen, of raiding the fund to pay for other stuff yeah. that isn't necessarily conservation related. What do we need to see Congress do or, or maybe more precisely, what do we need to be telling our elected representatives to do? Uh, not just to keep the fund alive, but actually sort of make it stronger going forward. So, I mean, the big ask, you know, there's two things. We need reauthorization, as you've identified, before September 30th, so it doesn't expire. And we need full funding. Um, so $900 million goes into this LWC account every year from offshore oil and gas revenues. And only about half, around 450 on a good year, actually goes out to the states and, and to our federal lands from, you know, LWCF funds. So that means 450 million, most years more than that, is being siphoned off to other non-related activities. And really, this is, um, this is a trust and this is a commitment that the government made 50 years ago that, you know, with offshore resource extraction, um, there should be similar efforts onshore to protect um, public lands and public spaces for the Americans to enjoy. And so that commitment has only been upheld once in 50 years. The fund has been fully funded at $900 million. And going forward, especially with growing population, more strains on our natural resources, and more people getting outside, um, we need an assurance that this will be funded, fully funded every year at $900 million. Yeah, obviously, our emphasis here at PEC is on conserving, protecting land and water resources, you know, for the sake of the environment itself. But there's there's more at stake than that, obviously, too. I know that LWCF funding is used to preserve our historic legacy in this country, and we have, have a lot of history here in Pennsylvania, too. Could you talk about that impact? So a lot of LWCF funding has gone to battlefields, um, national memorials, you know, I think uh, Gettysburg National Military Park is a great example of a park that is continually funded um, by LWCF. But a more recent historical memorial would be Flight 93 National Memorial. 90% of that was funded by LWCF. 
So essentially, without a program like LWCF, you would not have that memorial. So what is the status right now of the reauthorization uh, legislation? How do we expect this process to play out? And again, how can Pennsylvanians make the biggest impact in terms of making sure that it plays out the right way? So the status, you know, I'd say it's pretty grim just because Congress can't do much in a year, let alone a month. And, you know, we're we're coming up to September 30th pretty quickly. So now is the time to reach out to your legislators, to reach out to your senators and say that you need to see LWCF reauthorized and fully funded. I do think that if LWCF expires at the end of September without reauthorization, there's other opportunities in end-of-the-year packages or a lame duck to get it reauthorized. So all hope is not lost if it's not met in September 30th. But, you know, I think it really says something about the state of Congress and, you know, how they prioritize things like this. If they let something that's bipartisan, widely supported, it has 230 co-sponsors in the House, so more than enough to pass. They let that expire. I think that's a bad look for Congress, especially in an election year. And, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a really disappointing to the American people because every county in the country has been touched by these LWCF funds. And, and they're preserving not just, like you said, these historical places that are important to our communities, but they're really preserving, you know, places and spaces for people to get outside with their families and to ensure that the next generation has those opportunities. And so we need to make clear that we don't want this to be a political football. This is important to our daily lives and something that we expect to be reauthorized uh, as quickly as possible. It is kind of amazing. It's hard to think of something that should be less controversial, that has you know more broad, widespread bipartisan support among the public, or at least you know for the principle, at least, of, of conservation and, and of outdoor resources. What's the cost of supporting this if you're a U.S. congressperson? You mentioned the election year context. How can we sort of manipulate those levers to, to get people yeah, on the right side of this. Yeah, I think there's, you know, a cost of not supporting it. And, yeah. and I think we should make that cost real. And, and I think there needs to be, you know, some consequences for those who don't support it or haven't put themselves on the line to get it done. One of the things that I see us running into is because it is bipartisan and widely supported, it's used as a political football to get other things done. And I think the message from uh, Americans and especially constituents, you know, in Pennsylvania, if they're reaching out to their legislators is we don't want to see something that is is really critical to our communities to use as a political football. We just need to get this done. And so I think the more members of Congress that see this as something that they could, uh, you know, have as a winning issue back at home, especially as, as we come up to November 6th here, I think the more chance we have of getting this done. And, and, you know, again, making sure they know that the cost is for them not supporting this. There's no political cost for supporting, you know, a great program that protects our backyard parks uh, that people can play baseball on to our backcountry iconic places that Pennsylvanians can go visit every year because that land is theirs as well. You know, speaking of those iconic places, before I let you go, I mean, I know OIA is a national organization. I think you're based in Colorado. Is that right? That's right, in Boulder. But you were telling me you have a personal connection to Pennsylvania as well. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and maybe name some of your favorite places to visit in the state and, and how those might be affected sure. if, if the fun goes away? Yeah, I was born in Erie, Pennsylvania and, and grew up for several years of my life uh, in that area. We go back every year to Lake Erie and just absolutely love that lake. I've been, I've been learning a lot about the issues with Lake Erie uh, through this process as well. But I think boating and, and paddling on Lake Erie is one of the most exciting and best things I get to do every summer when I'm back at home. Jessica Wall with the Outdoor Industry Association. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much.
It's hard to get a good sense of just how many special places across Pennsylvania have been touched by the Land and Water Conservation Fund, especially in a podcast. Visuals work much better for this kind of thing, and you can get a better handle on the scope of LWCF funding in the Commonwealth by checking out our new interactive map on the PEC website. It's the handiwork of our in-house mapping expert, Helena Katala, who joins us now for a quick primer. Helena, welcome. Thank you, Josh. Happy to be here. What was the purpose of this mapping project? What did you set out to visualize? So we wanted to show the kind of the full extent of the Land and Water Conservation Fund funded projects in the state of Pennsylvania. And maps are a great way to show that in a visual way and help people understand just how many of them there are. And we also wanted to help create a tool to make the case for keeping the funds. The projects are overlaid with congressional districts so that you can uh, see whose districts certain projects are in, and also so that you can see what areas near you were funded with the LWCF. How does this map actually work? How do you use it? So users can interact with the map in a couple different ways. You can, if you know what you want to look for, you can type in an address or a location up in the top right. There's a search bar. So let's say you can type in your address and the map will automatically zoom in to that location and make it easy for you to find LWCF funded projects near you. And you can also manually scroll and zoom around the map and check out anywhere you'd like in the state. So if you scroll in and click on any of those red dots, it'll show you the name of the, whether it's the park or trail or playground, what county it's in, the applicant who applied for funding, uh, the funding type. There's a couple different funding types through LWCF, uh, development, renovation, acquisition, to name a few. The amount that was funded and then the year that that project was funded. And then you can also click on any of the features on the map. We have a state forest layer, so you can see all the state forests, state game lands, um, and other public lands. You can also click on the congressional districts, and it will show you the representative associated with that district, both for the current districts and the future 2018 election districts. It'll show you uh, both parties that are running. This is a lot of data you're working with. How were you able to to get hold of the data? Tell me about that piece of the project. Most of the data about all the different projects actually came to me in a pretty handy little package from uh, DCNR. They have a database of all the projects that are funded via the stateside assistance program. Uh, however, the federal LWCF fund data has been a little bit harder to come by, and for that reason, that data is not on the map yet. Uh, we're still working on that. So yeah, important to note, when you load this map on the website, you will see a cluster of red dots all over the state of Pennsylvania. And it's important to know that that is only the stateside uh, projects for which we have data. And if we were able to display the federal stuff, it would be even even more impressive. Can you talk a little bit, for those of us who are not schooled in GIS, uh, how do you go about translating you know, these tables? I'm guessing it's like Excel spreadsheets or something, you've got raw data from DCNR. How do you translate that into a map that anybody can sort of understand intuitively? 
The data from DCNR actually came already geocoded. So whenever I load all those little points into the map, they appear in the locations they should be. However, if it were an Excel spreadsheet with just addresses, uh, the software that we use to make maps actually geocodes them for us. So I don't have to go in there and put every point in manually, thankfully. Mm -hmm. So DCNR had a few shape files, which is what each layer is called. So there's a layer with all of those little points, which are all the LWCF fund projects in the state. And if you look at the map, you'll also see some red boundaries that coincide with state forest lands. And those boundaries are actually Bureau of Forestry LWCF acquisitions, which are much larger areas. There's sections of state forests that were actually purchased with LWCF funds. So those are the two main layers you see when you open the map. Uh, and if you zoom in a lot further, let's say you're, you want to look at projects in your hometown. If you zoom in further, you can see the uh, boundaries of each of the acquisitions will pop up. So let's say there was a city park that was bought with LWCF money. If you zoom in far enough, the actual boundary of that park will pop up rather than just the, the point. Looking at your map as if you can sort of switch out hats and look at it as a user, what strikes you about it? What do you notice when you load this? You know, the first thing I notice is the pervasiveness of those little red dots and also that they're concentrated in urban areas. So Pittsburgh and Philadelphia both have a lot. Um, and if you zoom in and start clicking around to see what those dots are, um, a lot of the city parks that, that we know of in those areas were acquired or developed with LWCF funds. And then the other thing, as I mentioned, is uh, just how much of our state forest land here in Pennsylvania was acquired with LWCF money. Um, that's something that I certainly did not realize. I think the visual component is so important because I think it's pretty hard for a lot of us to really understand what numbers mean uh, in the real world. And so, you know, we could read, there's, you know, this many LWCF funded projects in Pennsylvania, but I think looking at this map really helps us grasp just what that means on the ground. And also, you know, the ability to interact and check out your neighborhood or your county and the places that you like to visit and see which ones of those are funded with LWCF money is a really valuable tool to help all of us understand how this program has impacted all of our lives. As we're kind of under the wire here to let our representatives know that we care about LWCF, we wanted to make it easy to see which projects are in which representatives' districts, so that if we're focusing on specific ones to highlight, it's easy to reference those projects and talk to the right representatives. And this map also sh is shows the new congressional districts that will be in effect for the 2018 election. So obviously the hope is that people will use this tool to not only figure out 
how the Land and Water Conservation Fund impacts their community and their neighborhood and make an actual connection to these dollars being spent on the ground. Uh, but then take that next step, figure out based on the map who your representative is and and reach out and, and let them know how you feel. We do ask you to do a little homework to that end, but Helena has made it much easier than it otherwise would have been. Helena Kotala, PEX Mapping Coordinator, thanks so much both for your work on this project and for your time today. Thank you, Josh. You'll find that map of LWCF projects on the PEC website and via the show notes for this episode. We'll also include links to more information on the Land and Water Conservation Fund, its economic impacts, and what you can do to help ensure its survival. It's very important that lawmakers hear from constituents about the need for reauthorization. So please take the time to reach out to your elected representatives. It's worth noting several members of Pennsylvania's congressional delegation have already committed to support reauthorization, but those members need to put pressure on their leadership to schedule a vote. So if yours is already on board, call them anyway. Thank them for supporting LWCF, but don't let them off the hook for seeing this through to the end. And the end is coming soon. We have until the end of September to make that happen or the Land and Water Conservation Fund disappears. So don't wait. Please make that contact now. That'll bring this episode of Pennsylvania Legacies to a close. Glad you could join us for another one. We'll return in two weeks. Fresh episodes posted every other Friday on peckpa.org slash audio, where you can find all of our past episodes. Of course, the podcast is available as a free subscription via Apple Podcasts, Player FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere that you uh, care to listen to podcast content, you can find Pennsylvania Legacies. Wherever you find us, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment to rate and review the show. Visit us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at PECPA, and again, visit the website where you'll find much more audio, video, and other content detailing PEC's work across the Commonwealth in trails and recreation, in energy, in climate, in watersheds, in policy, and more. One more time, the website is PEC. PA.org. Until next time, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson. Thanks for listening. <music>